0: What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dad who dad stuff? The
1: who dat, you know, that's really kind of a, a fan, you know, that's that's our, our, our champ. <laughs> podcast here on the athletics podcast network larry holder jeff duncan here with you of course theathletic.com slash dunk and holder you can jump on subscribe and listen to the podcast listen to all the entire podcast network from the athletic and all of our great coverage as well and you could also if you want to just subscribe to the pod apple spotify or wherever you get your podcast rate review subscribe Tell a friend, tell a million, the Dunk and Holder podcast. And Jeff, we are, again, sitting at home watching an NFC South team get ready for the Super Bowl. as The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. But, of course, we're going to keep this very Saints-centric. And, Jeff, when you look at the NFC South, I mean, we've seen the Saints four years in a row – win the division. That is so rare. Actually, obviously, that's never happened (laughs) in NFC South history. And I know it's a subject that you wanted to broach when you look at Tampa Bay and they're in the Super Bowl and we don't know if they're going to win or not. But still, when you look at this thing and the division, and we're all wondering this offseason, we know the Saints are going to have these drastic changes uh, as far as quarterback. And where are they, do you feel like, in the hierarchy of this division i mean it's certainly going to be kind of a different feel this offseason i know you feel it and you know i feel it as well
0: well look i I think tom brady said this week that he plans on coming back and in a quarterback driven league i think you'd have to say the tampa bay bucks are the team to beat now in the division because we just don't know what the answer is going to be at quarterback for the saints going forward we we believe it's going to be one or the other, or a combination of Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, but I don't think you can feel confident that that lineup. Even though the Saints won the division and going to have most of their players back from those from those two sides of the ball, I don't think you can say that that they are the favorites going forward with Tampa Bay here on the precipice of maybe winning uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, but what I find interesting, Larry, is what about the rest of the division? There's so many unknowns with Atlanta going through a coaching change and regime change and a lot of rumored potential departures there between Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and that roster. Uh, They're a total wild card. And I think Carolina, we saw they were heavily in the mix to try and get Matthew Stafford. Uh, Are they going to be in the quarterback market? It looks and sounds like they are. Uh, going forward. Where do they fit in uh, because of of all the unknowns there in in year two under Matt Rule? So I think the Saints squarely are in the mix for a wild card, but I think this is going to be Tampa Bay's division. I mean, that defense, uh, and you and I both saw it in the playoffs. I mean, they really dominated the Saints defensively in that game, and all those guys are young on the back end. The linebacker core, Devin White, Levante David is obviously a veteran guy, but uh, that defense isn't going anywhere. And I think they're going to continue to be, well, they're only going to get better. Uh, so I just feel like Tampa Bay has to be considered the favorite going forward, and regardless of what happens on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I would agree that Tampa next year, and it's the first time we've said this in a long time, that uh, Tampa's the favorite in the division and the Saints are not. And would that be, though, any different if Drew Brees was the quarterback and I, I'm thinking no, actually, and you know, it's the Saints are in a weird crossroad here where we don't know how they're going to be. I mean, we went in 2017. We didn't think they'd be as good as they were. But then the following three years, we knew they were going to be good. This team, I know they're going to have a lot of pieces, uh, and I know that they've won games without Drew Brees. Teddy Bridgewater 5-0, and Taysom Hill 3-1, and but still we have not seen a season without Drew, and uh, maybe they surprise us, uh, but I do think I'm kind of with you that they have a really good roster regardless, and they're going to lose players, but it's not like they're losing their superstar players, and so uh, do I think they have a fighter's chance at the division next year? Absolutely, uh, but, uh, and maybe well, maybe they become Tampa next year where they lose and don't win in division and they and then they jump up and, and start getting hot. But still, uh, look, I, I think when you look at it that the Saints certainly have more talent than, say, Atlanta or Carolina. But where do they match up with Tampa? I think that's go- going to be something that we're going to have to monitor o- over this offseason and then heading into the season.
0: And look, I, I think... What Mickey Loomis said last week in his conference call with us—we all know Mickey's always going to play his cards close to the vest. He's never going to really open up in those type of situations. But him saying there are more unknowns than knowns right now, I do agree with that. For instance, look—just look at the defensive line alone. We don't know what's going to happen with Trey Hendrickson. We don't know what's going to happen with Sheldon Rankin. He's probably for sure going to be gone. What about even incumbent players like Cam Jordan? Was last year an anomaly or a sign of decline? Is he going to be continuing at this late juncture in his career to be a descending player? Suddenly a strength, the defensive line, could become just average. This defensive line might not be nearly as good next year without some of those parts with a declining superstar in Cam Jordan. So things change rapidly in the league, as we all know. No one foresaw, I think, cam jordan dropping off the way he did a year ago these things happen in the league from year to year uh you know jerry cook dropping off in, in, in decline in his productivity uh you know no one obviously saw michael thomas getting injured but there's just so many things like that can happen from year to year that it's i think it's very hard to tell what this team's going to be next year i think they've got the talent to compete but it really feels like uh and i think i mentioned this last time on the pod sort of like a better version of the of the Patriots were this past season. I, I think they'll be in the mix for a wild card like New England was. I think they'll be a little bit better, but it just feels to me like a, a full-scale transition year because of the unknowns, especially a quarterback.
1: Well, Jeff, let's stay defensive line since you brought it up. You could also throw in someone like Malcolm Brown, who could be a, a salary cap casualty if they've got to make moves or if they – there's someone out there that they really covet. And you say, well, we could save about $5 million if you cut Malcolm Brown. But also, when you look at it in that sense, the run defense dropped off when he was hurt. So when you look at it in that sense, of course, they would value him. But they're in such a tight spot. What do you do? But I think as far as the defensive line, you, you mentioned Cam Jordan. But I think the elephant in the room is Marcus, da- uh, Marcus Davenport. You look at him. We are in years, we're three years in, it is Judgment Day, and when we start talking about draft classes, I mean, you look at the 2017 draft class, and you say it's one of the best ones that arguably in the NFL history, and when you look at the Saints draft class in 2018, I mean, he is the anchor to that draft class, and he has not panned out. They moved up to go get him from 27 to 14. That did not pan out. And how much can they lean on him moving forward? Especially, say, if you mentioned Cam Jordan, I mean, if he's declining and if Trey Hendrickson gets priced out and goes somewhere else, what do you lean on with him? I mean, it is, he, you know, a lot of people like to pick on Andres Pete, but it's time to start picking on Marcus Davenport with where he was drafted and he has not lived up to expectations. He
0: just hasn't. No, look, at this point, I think he pretty much is what he is, right? I mean, we've seen enough body of work to draw a conclusion. Does that mean he can't have a great offseason under Ryan Nielsen? It's good that he's coming back because I think Nielsen's so good at developing these defensive linemen. Could he be this year's version of Trey Henderson? Possibly. It's possible. But he's got to stay healthy, and that's my biggest question about him. He has a reputation internally – of being a guy that won't play with any type of injury anything like a track athlete right you know he's got to be a hundred percent to play that just doesn't happen in the nfl and until he can prove that he can play a 16 game season i think the, the jury's not only out he has to be considered a bust so far even though he's been okay he's not been awful the fact is he hasn't been available and he got beaten out by trey hendrickson last year even when he was healthy he was not playing the same amount of snaps as Trey Hendrickson. And that's an indictment of uh, where he was where he was selected in the draft, no question.
1: Well, how much do you think, say, if Trey Hendrickson leaves and you've got Cam Jordan who's getting up there in age, relatively speaking, football age, and then you have Marcus Davenport, how much do you feel like that all of a sudden becomes a need? Uh, it, you know, it's hard to gauge that in free agency because you don't want to over, overpay. It's not like the Saints can overpay for anybody in free agency. But draft, I mean, I think that's a position they've got to address somewhere. Uh, and that, I, I don't feel like we've had to say that in the last couple of years.
0: Well, I think that's a good point. And I also think cornerback could very well be a position of need, depending on what happens with Janoris Jenkins. I mean, there's another unknown. Are they going to talk him into taking a restructured salary? I don't think they can pay him what is it, $11 million base salary this year? Maybe they extend him another year and cut that in half. Uh, but, you know, he's a good player. Certainly, I think, better than what they've had at corner. I don't think there's any question about that. But he's also getting up there in age. And that salary is pretty exorbitant uh, for given all the other cap considerations. But if you release Janoris Jenkins, then what do you do? I mean, you have no other outside corner Really on the roster, unless you want to go with King Crawley. I don't. I don't think so. So, no. That, How about yeah. no? I know, but the, <laughs> you see what I'm saying. All of a sudden, there's some sneaky needs on this team uh, for down the road. They don't have like the situation with Nick Easton and Caesar Ruiz. You've got a ready-made answer at those positions in Ruiz. Same thing at tight end with Troutman. I mean, you can move on from Cook. You've got your answer there going forward. Zach Vaughn at linebacker, you you know, you draft him for a reason. You think he can develop. Those are easy answers, and you can move on from some more uh, high-priced veterans. I don't see that answer at cornerback. That's why I think that that might be the primary need right now, other than maybe quarterback.
1: How long have we been talking about cornerback since, like, the end of time with the Saints? I feel like (laughs) Uh, at least they got one with Marshawn Lattimore, which I assume – their plan is to extend him and make his cap number lower this coming year to kind of make life easier. Uh, but still, uh, I also look at it, we're talking about secondary, but Marcus Williams could be gone. If he's gone, you need a safety. And at least in this draft, uh, of course, I'm already starting to kind of do my homework there. I feel like that they the safeties as in, say, a free safety, I think there's a good market for them. And so I feel like if Marcus Williams were to leave, maybe they grab one in free agency. I don't think they're going to overpay for anyone, but uh, just like Marcus Williams, they drafted him and he started right away. So I feel like if he were to walk, they could at least fill that void there. But there could be a void, and he played uh, arguably his best season this past year. I feel like his rookie season and then this season – his two best years.
0: Well, I agree, but I also feel like he's eminently replaceable. Now, Dennis Allen might disagree with me. I know internally they probably value him more than we do, but how many game-changing plays has Marcus Williams made in his career? I mean, I could maybe count him on one hand if it of him. Mean, he had a chance to make a big play in the playoff game against the Bucks and, and couldn't do it. Uh, I feel like he's a guy that, yes, he's solid, but you could replace him, I think, tomorrow in the draft, in my opinion. He's just not a a difference maker. He's He has, put it this way, C.J. Gardner-Johnson made more plays in one year than Marcus Williams has made in four. Uh, That guy is a difference maker. Uh, I think you can find another Marcus Williams somewhere.
1: Marcus Williams... I think he maybe made a little bit of a stretch (laughs) with C.J. Gardner-Johnson, but you could kind of see him all over the field. I think he does more than what Marcus Williams does. Uh, But when you look at safety in general and the way that this team has valued safeties, think about it. The only safety I can really remember that they actually re-signed was Roman Harper. Other than that, they let them walk. They let them all walk. Malcolm Jenkins, they let them walk. Von Bell, they let walk. Uh, At at some point, they did let Roman Harper walk, uh, but they let safeties walk, and they feel like that they can be replaceable. So I do think that, say, if Marcus Williams, I remember reading on, uh, uh, what is it, Track, they have an estimated value, I think it was, 9 million, maybe closer to 10 million. I don't think you need to be paying 9 million or 10 million to Marcus Williams or really any safety, to be honest, unless it's someone that is all world and the Saints don't have an all world safety. And so, uh, yeah, I think that he is someone you could look at. But okay, I'm coming back to you on linebacker. You know, I am. I mean, you brought up Zach Bowen. Oh, he could fill in. I don't buy that. I haven't seen anything that he could buy in. And (laughs) we all saw that. Alex Anzalone, uh look, he's going to be gone because he didn't cut it. That's why they went and got Quan Alexander. They need a linebacker. I'm sorry. I, look, I thought they should have got Patrick Queen last year. Imagine if they had Patrick Queen and Demario Davis. They'd have been pretty good. Mr. Jeff, I think they should play with like minus three linebackers. They shouldn't even exist in the league. They're worse than fullbacks. That, that, that's your, you know, that, that's where you're coming from. But look, I, I feel like, again, I'm going to be on the, we're going to be
0: doing this podcast all offseason. I'm going to be kind of shooting the horn for linebackers. I'm doing it again. Well, look, you know, you made a good point. I mean, last year they were poised to take Kenneth Murray in the draft. That's who they were going to select. I loved him. I loved him.
1: Actually, I loved him more than – a little more than Queen. I liked Queen.
0: I loved Murray. Yeah, and I think Murray would have been great for this team, no doubt. They end up uh, getting beat to the punch by the Chargers, and, and they take Ruiz instead. But I think going back to your point – about safeties, I think it applies to linebackers too. What this team really values are big men. They value defensive linemen, offensive linemen, and certain skill position uh, difference makers like Mike Thomas, Alvin Kamara, obviously. I don't know if they value linebacker in the same way. Now, obviously, they gave a pretty lucrative deal to Demario Davis, but I mean, he's an all pro type talent. I think he's a little bit of an outlier. The fact is, and and you know this as well as anybody, Larry, they they only play two linebackers most of the time. DeMario Davis is going to be one of those guys. So there really is only one spot that they need to fill. Can they rely on Zach Bond to fill that spot or, you know, can he make that conversion? He played mostly in a strong side kind of role, uh, but the way they play their linebackers now, they're really kind of two inside linebackers with different responsibilities. Uh, or do they morph that do they morph that back if say Marcus Williams leaves what does that mean for Chauncey Gardner Johnson does he go into a different role do they like like him in the role he's in and they have to find a free safety there's so many moving parts that I don't I don't know if we can say how how much of a need linebacker is at this point because of so many other kind of dominoes that I think that have to fall but I will say this. The way Devin White, you know, I've been doing a story on Devin White for uh, for The Athletic this week. His The way he has been such an impact player for the Bucks and Levante David as well has changed a little bit of my outlook. If you can get a dominant guy like that, I mean, those guys are rare. They took him with a number five overall pick. But those kind of guys, I see why you would need a good linebacker. But those guys are rare. I don't know if you find those in the third round, for instance, uh, in the draft, which is where the Saints might end up having to find a linebacker this year. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sold on linebacker being a huge need as usual, especially after drafting one last year and you got him on the roster.
1: I remember last offseason how Michael Hodges was talking about how he thought Zach Bond could be a middle linebacker. And we have not seen that so far. Uh, his snaps were, like you said, kind of sparing. Uh, he, he he played a little more later in the season, but he was not an every-down guy at all, not not even close. Uh, so I'm wondering if he can transition to that. And, Jeff, it almost reminds me a little bit with him, uh, Heoli Kikaha. When they drafted him, they thought, let's start him out to being a traditional linebacker. That didn't work. Then he was an undersized pass rusher. And, of course, he got banged up. I mean, Bond doesn't have those injury issues, but I have kind of that in the back of my mind because Kikaha was a second-round pick. Bond was a third-round pick. Can you – I mean, look, Anzalone was a third-round pick, and we, we're probably seeing the last of him in New Orleans. So uh, I'm not getting off the linebacker train. I, I mean, you need two. The Saints didn't even really have two. I mean, they had two when Quan Alexander was there. But if you don't even have two, to me, you're in trouble. And you know, it's, it almost sounds like I'm going off on like my, my deep snapper tangent where I panic on that, uh, and you always laugh at me, which it's laughable, but still, well, but, uh, you need you need a second guy. And they don't. And I don't feel give like they up have. On one. This guy
0: after one year, you haven't really seen him yet. I don't think you give up on him yet. That's my. Well, point. I'm not saying give up on him,
1: but I'm not going to say, hey, let's start. Like I just, I'm not going to assume that. I, I I just can't
0: do that. Yeah, look, I, I get it, but I, I think they may have one plan last year where you had no offseason. rookies, it was hard to develop. Uh, you know, you bring in you get a chance to bring in Quan Alexander, you do it. Uh now now look, I am not I'm just telling you what I what I was told, but somebody in the building told me they were still very high on Alex Anzalone. I know that he got replaced in the lineup, but I'm not I'm not saying that they're that they're definitely gonna move on from him. I think they could bring him back as like a minimum salary or something, and he could have a role on this team as, as the third or fourth linebacker just because of what I was told how much they still like him and they liked the way he accepted the backup role when Alexander came in, he was a team player, but clearly they've got to do better than him because people picked on him. And as soon as he went back in the lineup, he got picked on again. Uh, he's just not. And, and I think it's also fair to say that all the injuries that he had once he got in the NFL, hurt his athleticism he's no longer the guy that he was when he came in and that was the red flag on him you know the saints took a took a gamble on him and it didn't really pay off but they've been known to do that over the years on injury red flags at a certain point in the draft they're willing to roll the dice and for better or worse this team sometimes they hit on those guys and sometimes they don't and this one it was kind of a mixed bag i think
1: my wife put it best with Alex Anzalone. He's got beautiful hair, and that's about it. That's it. <laughs> she, she wishes she she had his hair, and but that's the, I, I just I can't I can't lean on him. I, I you know people can like people in the building, hey tomato potato, but still, it to me I, I just think that if you go get Quan Alexander, you don't want Alex Anzalone playing. And I mean, I think that was obvious. But so. but
0: what did what did Quan Alexander really do? I mean, I feel like everyone talks about him. All I saw was the Philadelphia Eagles game. He gave up an 80-yard touchdown run because he ran to the wrong hole. I mean, like, he he made a few plays, but I didn't feel like he came in and was a... I think he was better. Don't get me wrong. He was better than Alex Anzalone. He's obviously better athletically, but I don't remember him coming in and dominating by any means. I felt like he was an upgrade. But his previous career, I mean, there's a reason the 49ers moved on from him. He got He was injured there. He got injured here. I, I don't feel like... They really, I guess what I'm saying is I don't feel like they have an answer to that other linebacker spot right now, other than Zach Bond. Because of their cap restrictions, uh, I don't know if they're going to go out and get another Demario Davis. So I think they got to go with what they got.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying that Quan Alexander is Mike Singletary or uh, or Lance Briggs or anybody like that. But it was noticeable that he was better. Uh, was he a risk taker? Yes. Did some of his risks fail? For sure. But did he at least you, – you at least noticed him. Alex Anzalone, you didn't notice him. And so I think that's more of the difference than anything else. Uh, so uh, – but and, and what, it's not like they were bringing in Quan Alexander to be this long-term guy. I mean, they saw a guy. He can come in, make a spark. Uh, he's got a huge cap number coming up. He's not going to be with the Saints playing under that huge cap number if, if he's even back at all. So, I mean, he's not the answer either. So I'm just – like sorry, I'm on my linebacker tangent. I'm not gonna. I'm not getting away from this, Jeff. I loved Patrick Murray. I really liked. Uh, I mean, Kenneth Murray. I, I really liked Patrick Queen. They were both good. I'm not getting off that train. I'm not going to do it. No chance.
0: Well, Jeff Ireland has gone on and on about his prototypes, and Patrick Queen did not fit their prototype. For better or worse, they believe true, big true. men. That, Kenneth Murray other... did though. Come right, on. Right. Right. and He he, he said he thought Patrick Queen was going to be a really good player in the league, and he has been a good player. It's just not fitting what they do defensively. So I think uh, that's probably why they would have preferred Murray. But clearly Queen has been excellent in Baltimore, and we knew he would be. And uh, look, if you can find a Devin White somewhere, I mean, you know, or a Deion Jones, that's kind of the guy the Saints have been lacking. Nick, and Quan Alexander has some of those athletic traits, the run, the sideline-to-sideline the sideline athleticism that they could use. And when he got in the lineup, you were right. Uh, you noticed the speed of the Saints' defense was certainly much better. Uh, there's no doubt about that. They could maybe find somebody with those traits in this draft. I just can't see them going out in free agency and addressing that position with, with say, potentially a bigger need at cornerback right now Uh, What's going to happen, say, with Patrick Robinson? I mean, he's got something of a large cap number. Can they live with that uh, in in his role? Uh, You know, there's just so many question marks right now at at so many spots that I don't know uh, where they start to prioritize. And that's what they're doing this week, by the way. They're handling the entire roster evaluation, the coaching staff, along with the scouting department, uh, evaluating position by position, player by player, uh, the, the roster, and that will set forth you know the game plan strategically or how they're going to address the offseason and what moves they're going to make
1: should be interesting no doubt about it we will have plenty of roster moves to be talking about in the offseason of course you can listen to all of our analysis here on the Duncan holder podcast so jeff uh we're going to wrap this puppy up so uh, i think you uh Again, when's your uh, Devin White story going to be coming out, just for our listeners?
0: Yeah, it's uh, actually, I hope it comes out tomorrow, but it might be Friday. It's really a unique story on um, Webster Parish. I was up in this remote part of North Louisiana last week. This parish has two players, Devin White from the Cotton Valley, Spring Hill area, up near the Arkansas state line. Of course, he's a great linebacker for the Bucks from LSU. And then Legarius Sneed, a guy that not a lot of people – know about saints fans will remember him he's the guy that picked off drew Brees early in that chiefs game in week 15 the unknown guy everybody was like wow that was a great pickle on the sideline that's Lajarius sneed he is also from webster parish and played for louisiana tech and he's been a revelation as a rookie pro football focus rated him as the number one cornerback rookie cornerback in the league he made the all-rookie team from the pro football writers of america and he's been one of the best defensive players on the team. And he was a, a fourth-round draft pick out of Louisiana Tech, sort of like a Jeff Ireland kind of find for them. And uh, so these two guys that grew up playing against each other, knowing each other since they were little kids, are going against each other from this little kind of impoverished area of Louisiana. So that, that should run Thursday or Friday. It's, been, it's, it's a rallying point for that whole area up there that's kind of been neglected for a while. And let's close real quick before we get off. Who's your Super Bowl pick? I'm going with the Chiefs. I know it's uh,
1: might be a cliche pick, but well, maybe not because everyone usually picks Tom Brady. No, I think the Chiefs, and I, I look at it in the sense of you know me, I do like my like in my head, I'm doing these matchups, and I feel like the difference maker on the field that will propel the Chiefs will be Tyron Matthew. And I feel like he could induce Tom Brady into a mistake or two. Uh, you look at both of those secondaries, I feel like he is easily the biggest difference maker on either side. Uh, so I'm looking at that, and I think he makes a big play, and I think the Chiefs win.
0: Yeah, you know, I've gone back and forth on it. I think it's a really compelling game in a lot of ways. And I think I'm going to go with the Bucks. I just think they're playing so well. Right now, I think they're playing with more confidence than they were certainly midseason. And to go on the road and beat the Saints, who they were underdogs to, and they beat them pretty decisively there in the fourth quarter or kind of took over that game. And then to do the same thing up at Green Bay, uh, that's nothing to sneeze at. Those those are two good wins. And I think they're playing well on both sides of the ball. They can, I think they might be able to run the ball better than Kansas City. And I just saw this morning, Larry, that there's – thunderstorms forecast on Sunday in Tampa. Certainly that morning there's going to be a lot of heavy rain and it's going to dissipate a little bit. But if that if that becomes a factor and there's a lot of rain, uh, I like the fact that I think Tampa Bay might be able to run the ball with Fournette and Ronald Jones better than Kansas City. I don't know. But I do think this, I'm not a sports better at all. I think the game's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be kind of a wild, high scoring game because I think what you said about Tyran Matthew, I think there could be a lot of turnovers too. In other words, like a lot of haymakers, big plays on offense and then big plays by the defense going the other way. Uh, so if I were better, and I'm not, take the over. It's also amazing,
1: how many LSU players have we just mentioned within these last few minutes, and they're all playing in the Super Bowl? That is remarkable. I and mean, we're not talking just throw-in guys. I mean, like Daryl Williams. I mean, yeah, exactly. You, you, you look at we're talking Tyron Matthew, who's like an all-pro guy. Devin White, who's an all-pro guy. Like Leonard Fournette, his career has kind of got a a, a a jolt going to Tampa. I mean, these are like key, key players. And I, I remember seeing the stat yeah, as you just flashed it to me through our Zoom call. You, you gave me the six. And Alabama, what do they have? Zero. So at least LSU, they got that going because OJ Howard's out, so he's not playing. So, hey, <laughs> LSU's got six. Alabama's got zero, so hey, at least you got that one.
0: Yeah, and look, it's more than any other college in the game. And uh, those guys have all talked about it all week. They've been asked about it. Very proud, flashing their L's. And uh, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, the last few years, LSU's kind of owned the NFL draft, and we're seeing it kind of um, manifest itself on Sunday. And this story that I'm writing this week, also talking about another Louisiana product, there's, there's guys like that also in the game. Uh, from other schools in in the state, so it's going to have a heavy Louisiana flavor to this Super Bowl.
1: No doubt about it. All right. Well, Jeff, Jeff is uh, going with Tom Brady. Just remember that, uh, Saints fans. He loves Tom Brady. Uh, I uh, I will take Patrick Mahomes. So we'll have that uh, on the podcast. All right. Well, that's we going to wrap up. Little, this. We
0: may have to have a little side bet at at uh, Superior or Tracy's uh, round of drinks. I'll take the Bucks, you take the Chiefs, and we'll we'll settle it after after Sunday.
1: Well, if I win, I'll pick the place.
0: Okay, that's fine.
1: And if you win, you pick the place. <laughs> that's good to me. We got it. There we go. All right. Well, that's gonna wrap up this edition of the and Holder podcast. Again, theathletic.com slash Dunk and Holder. Jump on, subscribe, and get all of our podcasts. You can get every podcast in the in the Athletics Podcast Network. And of course, all of our great coverage, not just in New Orleans, but across the globe. But if you want to do just podcasting, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a million, jump on the Duncan Holder podcast. So for Jeff Duncan, I am Larry Holder. Thanks for joining us here once again on the Duncan Holder podcast here on the Athletics Podcast Network.